So welcome to another episode of Drill to Detail, and I'm your host, Mark Ritman. And this week I'm joined by not one but two guests for the first time because they worked as a team to put together the demo that formed the highlight of my recent BWA conference talk over in San Francisco, where I analysed the tweets that happened around uh, the kettle incident that happened with me a few a, a few months ago, where um, we'll talk about it obviously during the show, but where um, some tweets about things that I did with a Wi-Fi kettle and uh, the 11 hours I took to, uh, to boil a cup of tea with it uh, went around the world. And we basically, as part of this presentation, we looked at how that kind of tweet uh, went viral and we used the software that we're going to talk about and the company that uh, helped me on this presentation um, to actually kind of look at it graphically and see how it worked. So I'd like to welcome onto the show then uh, Kevin Madden and Joshua Feingold from Tom Sawyer Software. Um, welcome to the show and it's great to have you here. Thank you for having us, Mark. We're very much appreciative. So Kevin, yeah, absolutely. Kevin, always two of you there actually. So Kevin, do you want to um, start off then by, uh, by by just introducing yourself really and um, a bit about kind of Tom Sawyer Software because you're quite famous in the world that you're in but a lot of people might not have heard of you. Yes, I'm Kevin Madden. I'm the Chief Software Engineer at Tom Sawyer Software. Um, I've worked with Tom Sawyer Software since the early 90s um, where we started in, our, in Berkeley, California. Uh, the CEO is my older brother, Brendan Madden. And we started off working on advanced visualization using mainly C++ technologies for Microsoft Windows. And we were working on more relational management systems uh, for creating schemas and um, network management platforms in the early days of the, net, of the internet revolution. Um, Tom Sawyer uh, was the first graph company probably in the world uh, that we know of. Um, so we had a, we've been a firm believer in the in graph theory since the beginning, and one of the important things about the way Tom Sawyer uh, was always customer focused. We always were listening to the customer as far as uh, features, what feature requirements were. Um, the early graph, uh, the power of graph analytics, and what we're seeing now in in the in graph databases such as Oracle Spatial and Graph. Uh, or they call PGX, uh, Parallel Graph Analytics, um, we were doing um, against in-memory, basically, uh, since the, since the mid-90s. Um, they were mainly used for network management as far as like uh, internet routing and um, network management visualization um, to keep, you know, big operations running, uh, such as... Uh, you know, Sun Microsystems, SunNet Manager. We had an early product uh, that would support Apple Talk networks and and stuff like this. Uh, we started doing uh, ER diagramming with customers such as LogicWorks, which created ER uh, Irwin, which created a lot of the relational database schemas that we use today in relational. And uh, then we started doing a lot of database administration applications with like Embarcadero technologies. Um, then you saw a big wave into from the object management group for uh, UML modeling. Basically, there was the three amigos, and you had companies like Rational uh, that were doing trying to uh, use graph graph technology for UML to describe software components. And then you you know you had a big growth in the software industry between the 80s and the 90s, and through the you know the Windows programming. Um, environments where the 
complexity level went very high. So Tom Sawyer's visualization was used to create like these ER diagrams for creating relational databases, network management platforms for such as uh, HP OpenView, uh, these kind of platforms were some of our early uh, adopters in Tom Sawyer visualization technology. So that's how uh, you know Tom Sawyer got started. We basically started from it, the internet routing to uh, we rolled into ER diagramming. Then we went into UML modeling, uh, such as uh, there was a consortium between Tom Sawyer uh, at the time Sun Microsystems before Oracle did the acquisition of Sun and uh, another company called Embarcadero Technologies, which is famous for for doing database administration tools. We created a UML modeler for NetBeans um, and that was uh, a big uptake uh, for the job for the Java platform, and the, to the late '90s, you saw you know people moving from C++ into Java uh, because it was much easier to write applications that could run on the web. As far as uh, uh, in reducing the complexity required to build applications, and Java was an interpreted language, and it allowed it to be run on multiple platforms. Because it was, we used to be in a big complexity with compiling Java, uh, C++ code into uh, Java. So there was a big migration to Java, and that's when Y2K hit. Um, so there's a big uptake into Y2K. You had a lot of banks uh, who had older software to migrate, um, and they needed to reverse engineer software. So th that's where this big push into the UML modeling came in, and and understanding complex relationships within banking applications. So that was a good time for us as well. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's how our platform pretty much got started and built, Mark. Um, wow, I mean, you've been around for quite yeah. a while then, quite a while, obviously. Yes, yeah, Thumbsaur has been around for quite a while. We work with a lot of, uh, uh, we were what's known as an OEM mm. manufacturer. A lot of people don't know that familiar with Tom Sawyer because mm. we were an OEM because we would sell our components and they'd be rolled up into larger applications and resold by, you know, larger organizations such as like Computer Associates, uh, IBM, or you know Hewlett Packard, um, Cisco, for instance. And we were we were considered the secret sauce and yeah, um, and so they would you know put us in the about box quietly or <laughs> stuff like that. So, so, um, so yeah, it was. A, it was considered a competitive advantage, basically, to, to keep it quiet for them. And so yeah. we would work with them. So, so probably anyone listening here is kind of wondering what on earth this has got to do with anything to do with kind of tweets and kettles and, and kind of user group conferences and so on. It's, a, it's, it's an interesting story, I suppose, really, how um, how you came to be working in the area that would make that kind of relevant, really, and how this kind of story came along. So maybe I'll kind of tell a little bit of the background, really, to, to how I guess you and I ended up talking and collaborating on, on, on this kind of demo. Um, so for any for one or two people in the in, in the audience who who, who didn't uh, hear what happened last year, um, I went through a kind of a project uh, at home and uh, back over in the UK where I um, basically kind of digitised and, and made smart all of the kind of devices in my house and fed all the data into uh, into a Hadoop cluster I have running kind of in the garage here for the, to give it to give myself like a platform to do some kind of IoT analytics and IoT work on. Um, and, um, and it was kind of interesting. And at one, but at one point, um, one of the things I was trying to do was to um, to kind of voice enable everything. So 
Um, what I've got here at home is is one of those um, kind of early Wi-Fi kettles where you have a kind of smartphone app on the on the on your phone. You can boil the kettle from uh, from your phone, which is slightly impractical because you have to kind of like fill the kettle with water first of all. So it means getting up, going downstairs, put the water in the kettle, um, and then kind of go upstairs, back to bed, boil the kettle, boil the kettle from your uh, from your phone, go downstairs again, make the tea, and so on. So the whole thing is slightly ludicrous. But um, but on the day that this kind of happened, um, it just took a bit longer to fix. There was a problem with the network and so on. And and coupled with trying to get the thing to connect to my Amazon Echo, the whole thing I was tweeting at the time. The whole thing took about eleven hours to kind of go. And what I didn't realise at the time was that the the kind of the mess the tweets that I put out at the start were starting to get retweeted. And and over time, this thing was starting to go, go get a little bit kind of viral, and you start to sort of see. I think at one point it was a Twitter moment uh, and people were kind of commenting on it and, and every so often you could hear sort of like, uh, you know, the uh, hear the kind of the, the retweets going off and so on. And and so this whole thing went on for kind of, for, for, for in best part of kind of two days uh, and it became a bit of a kind of internet sort of uh, internet meme at the time. And so, um, but what I did at the time though actually was I, I, I actually captured all the tweets and all the activity and all the social kind of like media activity around this. And I thought at the time it would be interesting at later date to go back and analyse this data um, to try and understand, I suppose, really what made the tweet go viral. Um, were there particular um, were there particular people or particular kind of nodes in that social network that led to the whole thing kind of taking off? And how did it kind of like look over time and over geography as well? So I put this forward for a, um, a presentation for the Business Intelligence Warehousing um, advanced analytics conference in the US that runs in uh, runs in sort of in uh, January and I started working with Oracle big data spatial and graph to do this but then what we kind of found was that the, the very basic kind of data visualization analysis you can do with that tool got me so far but then Oracle recommended that I speak to Kevin because Kevin's company or Kevin the company that Kevin and Joshua work in as you were saying earlier on you did a lot of work around network uh, network analysis but also this whole area of, of kind of like social network analysis is an area you guys have been doing as well. Do you want to just give us a bit of a kind of a, a, an overview of the what you've been doing in that area and, and why why Oracle thought you'd better help help me? Sure, Mark. Um, social, social network analysis um, comes from uh, being able to basically understand the core of a network. Um, our layout, to, in order to position elements efficiently on the on the screen, you have to understand its structure. Um, and in, t in order to understand the structure, you have to run graph analysis to understand what are the core centralities or to understand where you should start the positioning. So Tom Sawyer Layout um, basically use, use these kind of different analytical techniques to understand how to position the elements. Um, social network analysis is done by, like, say, LinkedIn and and Facebook, you'll see that quite a bit. And I think more and more people are becoming aware of the power of graph analytics. They're using them every day, but they don't realize it. Um, you might see like on Facebook, like, oh, or LinkedIn, you might know this person, or you, maybe you know this guy, because it, it studies uh, who's connected to who. And then it, it, it sees that, oh, you're both in the same industry. Oh, you both attended the same conference, or you, you might know his coworker. And they do, they call these games like Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, and and reachability, and that they were they were jokes uh, in the past, you know, like oh, how, you know, how 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 connected are you to Kevin Bacon? Um, 
But we do these kind of social analytics like centralities. Um, you know, I, I have two distinct groups. I want to understand who's being the who's the middleman between these groups so I can understand how to separate them. Uh, we, we use these kind of techniques to hide complexity of the network so that we can aggregate them up and, and have create high level views um, and be able to partition the network so that we can um, visualize uh, subcomponents of the network as well. So it's basically being able to divide and conquer a very complex linked structure and create actionable intelligence from them. Um, whether they, you know, it could be a recommendation in, engine, for instance, like uh, your friends bought these books and or somebody else in your field bought these books, you might be interested in these books as well. You saw companies like Amazon come up and and use these very similar techniques. And they've basically driven some of the uh, large part of the e-commerce revolution that's been going on for the last decade or so. Um, when we see all these kind of applications that are graph based, like Facebook, for instance, has this their thing is called graph search. Right. These are all built on top of big data platforms, and uh, they basically create these relationship diagrams under the covers. And there might be billions of connections, um, and they're on the back end. They're running these graph analytic application uh, algorithms to to extract out uh, details that you might not know about yourself. So that that's the power and. Um, uh, getting back to your question was that uh, we, we've been a partner with Oracle for over 10 years. Uh, we've worked with Oracle uh, uh, in many over many years. Uh, we were actually an OEM into Oracle as well. So Oracle has wrapped Tom Sawyer products into their own products. Their enterprise warehouse builder, for instance, is an example. Um, and their tools for doing... Um, ETL processing. So we've been doing uh, applications with Oracle for many years. So we, we had a long track record with them. And we also supported, you know, over the years, we supported uh, their RDF graph, which is used by Symantec Technologies for understanding language structures. You see a lot of Symantec work done in Europe uh, for understanding language processing and uh, natural language processing and these kind of things. Um, text analytics. Uh, you'll see a lot of text analytical work using RDF. Um, so we did from relational to um, to their search platform in DECA. Um, you see there's uh, social relationship management systems there. Uh, and the whole goal is to, to basically use these kind of analytical techniques and allow them to create uh, BI dashboards so that they can act upon the information contained within these big data stores. Okay. Okay. I mean, so so certainly something that that, that interested me in, in working with you was um, to to not only just look at the, I suppose the the network at a point in time. So we I had I had the kind of set of tweets and the and the retweets and the relationships between people, which meant that we could look at you know at the at a point in time in the end we could see who had commented on this story and basically you know I suppose the full extent of where it had gone to around the world and so on. But I was particularly interested um, in, in I'd seen I was I was recommended this tool called uh, Tom Sawyer Perspectives was one that was was pointed out to me as one that would be particularly interesting for this because I was interested to see if we could somehow show um, over time how this kind of net, how the kind of tweet went viral, but also showing it over kind of like it, it, looking at it spatially as well. 
Um, so, but you guys did sure. some. You, but you guys did some some fantastic work with the demo. Do you want, do you want to talk us through? We, just talk us through how that kind of worked, or, or some more background, really. Sh- sure. Um, Tom Sawyer has uh, an, a, an advanced web application deployment framework for working with relationships, uh, temporal data, and well, any any kind of data really. But we end up extracting data or graphs out of the data. And then we, we extract out the temporal components as well. So as we're going along, we're extracting out like a time range. So as we were we we took your your extracted data and we put it into the graph database. We were able to uh, then extract the graph out, look at it over time, and build a web application very rapidly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you, we had less than uh, like less than a week. I think to, it was wasn't it? From, in the end? Yeah, yeah. It was less than a week where they asked you to be the speaker at the conference and and to get an application running yeah. in very short order. And, and so we worked very closely over yes. the years with Oracle. And so we, we were actually able to say, all right, let's 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 give it a try. I know we yeah. have our we have a an IDE. We have an IDE uh, designer that allows us to rapidly build applications and build deployable web applications. So. Um, we worked with our services department, and we uh, took the data set. We analyzed the best way to visualize the application. Um, we have we support spatial views as well as temporal views, as well as uh, your standard kind of BI charting, uh, pie charts, line charts, uh, mm. trees and tables and such. And we were able to extract out who was the most influential tweeters, um, mm. uh, who who had the most influence, uh, we were able to then create a, a graph model out of the tweet, the tweet activity. And uh, using a, what we, we have an animation system which allows us to play how the tweets unfolded over time. And you can, you can see them on a global map, it's sort of like Google, like Google Maps, but it's our own uh, mapping platform, which allows us to basically plot uh, the tweet activity across the globe using the spatial coordinates uh, from um, from the Twitter API. The Twitter some of the tweets had uh, spatial coordinates like lat long um, information, which allowed us to plot them over the globe. And you could watch it bounce between the U.S. and Europe, and then it went to Australia, and it went. Uh, you can watch how over time it propagated itself, and then you could go to our graph views and run graph analytics to calculate who were the central actors and Mark was obviously a central actor and then you also started to see Aaron's Cafe which is um, which is a famous uh, cafe uh, or newspaper and then some of the newspapers the Guardian newspaper so we, we were able to play that over time and watch it unfold and then run our in-memory graph analytics platform to extract out who was very influential in making that tweet uh, go viral, and, and so from from concept, from initialization to to deployment to Mark standing on the stage was less than a week, and uh, there was some back and forth, but uh, you know it, we we pulled it off, and I, I'd say Mark, you did a wonderful job. You're a very charming man. Uh, uh, you got a, a standing applause, and I, I think it was fantastically good fun. Uh, you know, it's fun to do this kind of stuff, and it it's. It shows the power of the of uh, of our platform, and it shows the power of uh, social analytics. Um, and I think with a little more time, we could have you know done even a better job. 
And uh, but there was a lot of you know tweets and retweets, and I think there was I can't forget the size I forget the size of the data set, but it wasn't mm. small by any means. It was interesting. I, I think I think you know we it was it was interesting you and I building it because. Um, it, it, it was a good data set, but also as you build it, you realize if you collected more data, it could have been, could have been even more interesting. And I think that one of the challenges a little bit with, with the data set was that it was largely kind of one-way conversations. So so there would be people kind of referring to me or referring to The Guardian or for quite a while. And they're, they're quite, I guess they're quite hard to kind of model in an interesting way. I mean, what, what, would have been, what would have been interesting also would have been to understand the conversations that go on before um, this happened, to actually maybe, maybe find, maybe if that could have been a good predictor of the paths that the kind of the, 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 uh, the conversation could have gone. But, but certainly it was, it was interesting to see there were certain kind of nodes in that, in, in that network. I remember at the time it was, uh, there was a sort of, I think there was Charles Stross, who's a kind of a science fiction uh, writer over here. And there's various kind of people when they mentioned it you could see kind of suddenly there was a kind of you know suddenly the acceleration kind of went off the scale with the kind of the network and and, and the kind of the you know there was that node was obviously very influential in that network correct um i mean with that much information it's very important to understand who your influencers are yeah. and and who who you want to build into your networks in order to make uh to have like PR impact, like if you're trying yes. to have an impact with a tweet, I mean, people tweet because they want attention, mm. you know, they, um, oh, thank you. and <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was, it's a hilarious yeah. topic. Yeah. Uh, I think you were showing off the, you know, IOT. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a big field for us coming up here is IOT. Yeah. You're still, we're still in the infancy of IOT mm. and you, you see a lot of, you know, big data applications, um, where the amount of information coming in from these distributed network of devices. Um, you have, you know, you have security challenges. You have uh, massive amounts of streams and and R, uh, RF, and you have a lot of uh, complexity. Um, but at the basics, it's meant to be simple. Like, I need, I need milk. You need milk in your fridge, or your refrigerator is telling you you need milk. But it could be as, you know, important as, you know, uh, you know. Are, are, you know, are my wings going to fall off my airplane? You know, these kind of things. Uh, is there, you know, is there fuel in my car? Is there, um, you know, uh, kind of oil fields and uh, nuclear power plants? And uh, as we start to get into more infrastructure-based uh, uh, IoT applications, it's, it's going to grow in importance and you're going to see more importance around network security and distributed network management. And this is where Tom Sawyer perspective is really, really uh, shines because we've been an been a network management platform for a long time we allow you to work with both relational databases and NoSQL stores and graph databases and federate them into a single view but you don't have to be a web expert you don't have to know how to create all that complexity we, we try to boil it all down and focus on what's important is what do i want to draw on the screen with this information what are the connections between these two elements that define something i want to understand and where perspectives really shines because we have a rules engine that allows you to create mul we call it perspectives because you could create multiple views or, or different views on that same data set so in one case we wanted to look at it spatially and in another case we wanted to look at your tweets in a, in a how it was interconnected and how those influencers so basically what we did is the more influential you were uh number of we basically used the number of followers you had to decide the size of how we 
how big we made the nodes, and then we basically used them to create weights, and that they had more weights uh, in, you know, what they say. If, if somebody who's very influential, you know, endorse, endorses you, that's more important than somebody who's not important. So it allows you to separate the wheat from the chaff, and, and without being a web expert, build advanced analytic applications that you can use in your everyday life, whether it be for a small work group or for uh, company-wide deployments. So you guys, I mean, you guys have, have quite, I suppose, a different or a different approach to you know data visualization and analytics and so on to what I'd think is more traditional kind of BI and BI vendor tools. I mean, it's, it's interesting to think about Oracle have that kind of that, that PGX engine, the in-memory engine there. You talk about graph analytics and so on. But you guys, you know, especially with data visualization, your your kind of take on on kind of, you know, visualization, graph analytics and so on, it's quite different, isn't it, really? But it's very powerful. And it's a, it's, it's a kind of very... Um, it, it, it's definitely a very kind of like different take on things and potentially a more powerful way of doing things than just standard graphs and tables, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. I mean, Oracle and the databases are very good at dealing with the billions and the trillions and the terabytes and the petabytes. Let, let the graph analytics and the database engine do its job over the bigger data sets, right? They, they have the power to crunch those kind of things. But you still come out with a graph to the client. Like if you query a graph database, you get a graph out most of the times. And so you're, but what you're doing is you're using graph analytics to generate a smaller graph, which is then presentable to the user. But you still have multiple dimensions you want to include into that. And you also want to tie other sources, like for instance, the Twitter API. You know, like in one case, you want to have some relational store that you keep other details. And then you might have a graph database keeping the part that understands the that the links, the how you've linked things together. But then you also want to augment it with, say, a web search. So all of a sudden you have several aspects that you want to pull together, and you can't pull them. You can't. You have to do it on the UI level. But then you still want to do graph analytics on that. So that's where Tom Sawyer really shines. And and once we reduce the complexity to getting a, a an application to the web, it and you tied like features like animation um, and uh, push events and all these kind of things, which allows you to understand to drive the UI from data. So that that's some of the secrets of Tom Sawyer too. Is that everything is data driven, and so the UI is very responsive. It's in real time, and it allows you to aggregate multiple sources together and still run graph analytics. Yeah. So that's. Yeah, That's, I mean, you're you're being slightly kind of you're, you're being slightly kind of uh, what's the word uh, uh, underplaying it there actually because the reason the reason that you came in at the last minute to this and, and to help was that I think I spent about the previous six weeks just trying to load the data into uh, Oracle Oracle Big Data Spatial and Graph. Yeah, and, and I think that that to your point there about about Tom Sawyer perspectives being easy to use, graphical response, you know, all these kind of things there. That that the kind of the progress you guys made in just a week. Was 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 kind of you know was incredible compared to what I've been before, and that's not to kind of knock the Oracle software because the Oracle software is much more basic, and and you know they quite quickly said you know, to get you guys involved, but the speed and and the kind of the the, the just the, how quickly you got something very kind of visual and very useful together was, was fantastic, really, and it really you guys saved the day really when it came to the actual presentation. Uh, thanks, Mark. Well, yeah, we've I mean, worked just, very yeah. hard over the years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we we. 
we we do have something special. I, I believe that Tom's are perspectives, and you know, our team of engineers has been working diligently for years. Hmm. Um, uh, to pull a segue, we've basically uh, gotten kudos for that, like of staying narrow focused mm. on what we're very good at stay laser focused on graph visualization graph diagramming uh, web application deployment and stay laser focused on what the customer requires and don't try to wander off into other ver other kind of mm. like you know we we could have grabbed one of the open source graph databases and mm. and 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 tried to bring it up and become a, a graph database company as well it, and we've gotten high marks and high from other people that said we're so glad that you've stayed laser focused yeah. on what you're great at yeah and, and i think that's it, it's been an important differentiator for tom sawyer yeah yeah um, definitely so tell us about i mean so the other part that you, you guys helped me with was the, with the spatial side and so when i put this up when i put this conference abstract in it was very much going to be about not just analyzing the network as in a network kind of graph thing but to look at it spatially as well so, so t uh, tell us a bit about how you did the spatial side and and i suppose in a way a wider question or wider thing how can spatial analysis be interesting in this sort of area as well uh, spatial um, uh, the importance what network like we've been dealing with network topologies and networks have locations like usually they uh, have positions uh, Tom Sawyer has created a patent pending technology which allows us to render network topologies on top of you know maps on top of maps and it allows us to zoom down and see more information that, like say you want to see the network inside of a building, so you start at your Google Earth view and you zoom down, you want to start to see more and more of that network information. This allows us to like have a global view of, of things and then get down to, okay, hey, my remote office in Japan is having a problem. Let's zoom down and see what's going on there. So it gives like an I, um, the IT departments the ability to understand uh, network infrastructure on a global global level. Uh, you you might have an HR operation that needs to understand uh, departmental structures across the world and and how they're interrelated. Uh, process dependencies you see like industrial production, uh, industrial you know for instance our customer Airbus they they manufacture engines in England they manu they manufacture the they manufacture the wings in one facility and they man manufacture uh, fuselages in another and then they have very complex processes between um, uh, all these production facilities. You know, there's like five million parts in, in an Airbus A380, and trying to keep track of all these kind of things. Um, well, really, when you put it on a spatial area, you can look at it from spatial perspective, or you can also look at it from a logical perspective. Like, I don't care where the network is placed. I want to look at it like how it's what we call a topological structure, um, and how it's really interconnected. So. There's two different views to the same kind of information. Uh, how it's wired together is sometimes more important than where it is physically located. So we, some, but sometimes you want to look at it from either view. Uh, and you know, you can do spatial queries, which might give you a, a road network, for instance, and um, you know, understanding how I can route my car uh, through a road network uh, safely. Like people use it all the time. For instance, uh, you know, they use uh, car routing software to how to get to work oh there's a traffic jam you know so how do i avoid the traffic jam those are graph routing and graph analytics problems that they 
that they use every day, but they just don't know that they're doing this kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, I guess, a very topical kind of way that I imagine you guys are getting involved in this. If you think about with things like Brexit, for example, um, you know, you think about if you're a car manufacturer and you're manufacturing, um, say, your Nissan, for example, and, and you're, uh, <laughs> there may well be a customer of yours, I don't know, but, um, you know, you're, you're Nissan and you've got a, you've got a, you've got a, a factory in, in, say, sort of like England, and you've now got kind of potentially Brexit coming along, or you've got Brexit coming along, and you're going to find there that um, that uh, that you've got potential kind of now, you know, customs duties across kind of you know from the UK to Europe and so on there, and you've got a, you've got a supply chain and you've got a network of, uh, of of kind of parts. You've also got the kind of the geographic element as well there. That I would have thought would be absolutely perfect for the kind of things that you do. I mean, also with things like NAFTA and so on. Anywhere now when trade barriers are starting to go up, and and but your supply chains are so complicated. I imagine this is this is exactly what you do really. Yes, that's correct. I mean, some of our customers, like uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, uh, are doing very complex systems engineering. Um, we're doing a lot in the aerospace industry, and they're multi—they're multinational, but they're you know they—and um, they have complex diagramming in production facilities. They have complex diagramming requirements inside of understanding. Uh, how systems are integrated together. So basically, we have these very complex systems built on top of other complex systems. Uh, and I think this is a great place for uh, my coworker Josh. Um, he's done he's done an excellent job working very closely with the um, in the aerospace industry, um, applying solutions um, and how we how Tom Sawyer solutions basically take the our Tom Sawyer Perspectives product and they how we deploy to you know our 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 customer base basically that's how Tom Sawyer engages and uh, how do like most people like well how do I engage most people you know most people start uh, by looking at a small data set and we start with a small data set and then we apply it to the much bigger but I'll I'll let Josh uh, Feingold our our lead solutions engineer discuss some more of the work that he's been doing in our solutions department good, good. Josh nice to meet you so uh, yeah tell us a bit about what you do then and some of the things you've been doing around that area. Oh yeah, sure. So um, my my job title is lead solutions engineer, uh, mm. which is kind of a job title that doesn't mean very much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but what it means is that basically, um, whereas Kevin is kind of the the uh, ruler of of what goes on inside of Tom Sawyer, uh, as far as engineering goes. Uh, once it starts going out the door and becomes customer facing and is owned by the customers, uh, then it kind of enters my domain. Um, so I help customers who are interested in building applications, uh, either with training or coming in and, and having our services department uh, actually build up applications for them or, or teaching them to use uh, the Tom Sawyer Perspectives tools. Okay. Okay. So, so give us an example then of I think you mentioned aerospace there as well. I mean, what, what kind of what kind of projects that do you, do you do then uh, that would be that would kind of be a good showcase? To this really, you can give us an example of one you've done then really. Sure. Sure. Um, now we we have a lot of growth actually uh, in the model based systems engineering community, mm. and I, that, so what's, that may what's not that be then? terminology. Yeah. So, but, what's that then? Yeah. Yeah. That so model based systems engineering. Um, is basically, uh, if you imagine uh, a company 
and you've got to build a new product. So let's say you're, you're a paint company and you want to start a new line of paint. Well, that seems like a relatively simple task, right? You got to come up with some colors and you got to come up with some base paints. But that's actually an incredibly complicated process where you have to gather requirements. What's the paint going to cost? What's its reflectivity going to be like? You know, what are all of these chemical attributes? What are the, you know, compliance? Where are you going to have it built? Uh, and so you have to start this process of gathering requirements, and then you transition that into an approach, and you come up with physical systems that will address this, and then physical systems that will distribute it, and now you have to be able to verify that all of your requirements are actually being met by your systems as planned, and that your systems is built, match your systems as planned. And, uh, you know, you, you can see that this is fundamentally a big data application. Um, and so uh, what... What goes on in there is that for years and years and years, I mean, for many decades, this has been a document-based system where someone would write up a proposal and then they would, you know, print it out and they would walk it to the desk of the person, you know, who needed to sign off on it. And then they would sign off on it and they'd pass it to their manager to sign off on it. And you would end up with this essentially stack of papers that you know, people had signed off on. And now in 10 years, when it's time to change a decision, right, because uh, you, need, you need to revitalize your brand or something, or you've got inefficiencies somewhere in your manufacturing. Now, all you have is the stack of papers and, you know, you have no chance of getting your data back out, right? So model-based systems engineering is taking this standpoint of, I'm going to model this whole system end to end. I'm going to keep it in some kind of database. I'm going to use some kind of language so that when I come back in 10 years, we have the whole thing end to end and we can see exactly what the criteria were. We can see who ran the tests and it's all continuous from end to end. And it's not this kind of like broken up, fractured set of documents that were authored by people using human language instead of kind of machine readable logical constructs that can mm. be reconstituted. Yeah. So, so where would so is there is there a kind of a scope for data visualization in that? Is it something where what what else would how would people kind of visualize this and work with it really? Right. So historically, um, there have kind of been two camps, and the, the first camp is people have sort of rolled their own. So, and, and this is actually when when uh, Kevin mentions Airbus uh, Airbus Gaia application, uh, that is an example of someone coming up with needs and just rolling their own. They said, we need this. And so we went in there and they said, well, you know, it's great that we have all this data, but we need to interact with it. We need to visualize it. We need to be able to convey this highly technical data to people who maybe aren't highly technical, right? It needs to have an intuitive front end. And so we go in and, and we deal with the exact needs of those types of customers. Um, the other side is that there is a, a, a standard for this called SysML, the systems modeling language. And we also work um, directly with the standard. Uh, so I'm actually one of the data visualization co-leads for SysML 2.0, uh, which for people who care about such things will be uh, releasing its RFP at the end of this year. And we'll probably be uh, reviewing and accepting proposals uh, another one and a half to three years after that. Right. So, um, you know, the, the, it's the systems modeling language. And basically it's it is it is both a definition for an abstract syntax. Right. So a data model and a concrete syntax, meaning diagrams. Um, and then we, we take that data and we build it into automated diagrams and and maps and 
Um, yeah, so if you imagine in your Twitter example, uh, what if you had this Excel sheet with, you know, thousands and thousands of tweets on it, right? <laughs> and then you had to uh, take your map of the world, right? uh, and then you wanted to put a pin in the physical location where each of those tweets happened. Mm. And then when you realized that some of those tweeters were more important than others, you mm. wanted to make you wanted to replace your small pins with big pins, mm. right? Imagine you had to do that by hand. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially the state of the industry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, my, my example was was massively trivial compared to what you're saying there. But it was when you, I mean, even just building it out myself just at the start. There's actually a lot of dimensions to it, and a lot of things to it. There's a, there's a lot of kind of aspects to it, really. But as you say, doing that kind of on a on a, on a kind of like a larger scale and so on, it, it must be kind of crazy. But it's no, I mean, it, it sounds. It, it's uh, the reason I wanted to speak to you guys was because because I've always been aware of you. Guy, you know Tom Sawyer through the kind of user groups and through kind of your attendance at, and participation at the uh, the Beaver event. And I was kind of interested. It seemed like you were kind of a, a company that not many people had heard of outside of your industry, but were kind of doing massively interesting uh, analytics work and stuff that was very complementary to the kind of the the the, um, the kind of you know the graph the graph features really in the Oracle database and Oracle Big Data. And it's um it's been kind of interesting hearing kind of you now what you do in a bit more detail on it and so on. Um, so, so just just to kind of if so if anybody, people would be interested hearing this, I mean, how how would you how would people engage with you? How would people kind of uh, is it either as a customer or as a sort of developer? What's the kind of route in to understand more about kind of Tom Sawyer and kind of the graph the graph analysis that you do as the kind of backdrop to all this? Oh sure. So the um, you, you can you can come at us from any level. So we have OEM. Uh, customers who want to come in and they want to get all the way down in the weeds and they don't want to, um, you know, have us do anything, right? Uh, and, and so we offer a full rich API. Uh, then you have companies uh, like the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, like Airbus. Um, you know, we have multiple Fortune, you know, Fortune 500. We have uh, some, you know, Fortune 20 uh, consumer goods manufacturers, top global auto manufacturers. And what they do is, you know, they're, they're not interested in being their own developers, right? Uh, what they do is they say, hey, we've got this need. Tell us what you can do for us. And, and they come to us and, you know, just like we did for you, where you had this massive data set and you wanted to see something that had to be, you know, ready to present in a week. Mm. Well, when you have more than a week, imagine what we mm -hmm. can do, right? I know, exactly, exactly, <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, yeah, so so we do we do professional development, and then we have in the middle of the two we have training and integrated development where we'll come in and and we'll train you. So no matter where you are on the level of you know I want to be down in the weeds at the API to I just want to get something that looks stunningly beautiful and does exactly what I need to do to make my job you know ten times faster and a hundred times easier. You know that. Anywhere on that spectrum, we can, we can work with you. And so to Kevin, really, I mean, if you're if if you're say an Oracle developer or a big data developer, and you're looking, I mean, you you present at a lot of conferences and you're engaged in that community quite a bit. How, how would maybe a developer kind of find out more about about Tom Sawyer and what you do? Um, so if you're coming at from coming at it from a relational point of view, um, Tom Sawyer easily connects to your relational data data stores and we extract your tables and your uh, foreign and primary keys and we allow you to basically 
move the visualizations and they're powered by queries. So you might do select star from and grab some data. Now I want to define relationships between that and then just get it to the web. Um, I mean, we've been a long time in the relational space. Um, and and now you're starting to see this big move from relational towards the graph database and towards other NoSQL stores, uh, your Cassandra's and, and your Neo4j's and your Oracle Big Data Spatial and Graph because they're starting to understand the power of these analytic applications that can be run on these linked data sets. So if you're trying to come at it from a relational point of view or you're trying to migrate from your relational store to a NoSQL store, Tom Sawyer Perspectives is a great way to go because we allow you to preview the graphs prior to moving from relational. So you can create like a process, a migration process from relational to graph database. And once it's in the graph database, we can go one-to-one -one in memory with the graph model. So it's funny, over the years, we use graphs to define relational structures, your, your data modeling language, um, and your, you know, your entities and your relationships between the tables using foreign and primary keys. Now, and then we would, we would create the graph, we would create the database, and then the database would do it in relational, relational ways using constraints and this kind of things. Um, but they were also heavily used in um, basically administering uh, database applications, like creating alter tables and um, all these other kinds of. We did some a lot of work in um, uh, table space mapping, uh, Oracle defragmentation. But so uh, there's no fear in moving to keeping your data in relational and then moving parts of it to the graph database that need to do the analytical parts for graph database. So you don't have to. You don't have to really remove all that or, or, or Oracle data or relationship, relational data. You can move only the parts that you need, and then you can federate the two together to create a seamless view between these applications. And that's the power of a uh, federated uh, data integration model. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, just to kind of wrap things up, really, I mean, you, you've obviously you built out the demo, and I think you've sort of a copy of it, and you show it at sort of various, uh, you've shown it at some events. Where, whereabouts are you guys kind of presenting next? Is there any way people can kind of see what you're doing and maybe sort of see an example of this demo and, and see how it kind of works? Um, um, yes. Uh, hang on a sec, we're, we're pres uh, You can go to TomSawyer.com, and, you know, you can use visualize the Panama Papers application. Like we did a Panama Papers uh, visualization. We do some link analysis applications, network management apps. If you just create a login on TomSawyer.com. Uh, we have a very active schedule. Uh, just last week, we were presented at the OMG conference. And then uh, two weeks before that, we were at the Big Data Paris uh, trade show. But we do, uh, we have the BWA conference, uh, not the BWA conference, well, Oracle BWA is all, we were there every year, but uh, we go to the Oracle Open World shows, and we also do. Uh, um, we're doing the GeoInt uh, Spatial Conference, which is going to be in Austin or uh, in Texas. And then we're also presenting at the No Magic, uh, which is a, a system. Uh, uh, no Magic is a, a modeling framework for dealing with like both UML and SysML and other kinds of diagramming. Uh, I'll let Josh. Uh, Talk a little more about that really quickly. Oh yeah, so we're going to be at the the No Magic World Symposium, uh, and, and and No Magic is is probably our top partner in the world of of model based systems engineering. So they're one of these these tools that's been allowing um, 
allowing customers to to build their giant complex models for you know I think the past twenty years, and now we've come in and taken the manual step of you know arranging all of these diagrams by hand and making them pretty by hand that used to be very time consuming and and so with, with uh, no magic we automate that so that it takes you you know a couple of seconds versus a couple of hours uh, to get something that looks like beautiful enough that you can show it to your CEO and he won't tell you that he doesn't ever want to look at you on that again. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Well, look, it's been great speaking to you. It's really glad to have you on here, and nice to speak to both of you. Um, thank you again, Kevin, for the uh, for the help you gave me with the with the, uh, with the demo and the conference presentation uh, back in sort of January. And Josh, it's been great to speak to you as well. Um, thank you very much for coming on the show, and uh, have a uh, have a nice day. Thank Thanks you, Mark, Mark, very much. Okay, take care.